The following audio is from Morningstar Baptist Church in Dayton, Ohio. For more information about Morningstar, visit morningstardayton.org. I'm really excited about our, our Easter service that's coming, and I want to encourage you to not do what they did, but to do what the last guy did, and just ask somebody um, to come and join you for for our Easter service. It's gonna be an awesome celebration. The one thing I do like that that couple said is they said the resurrection celebration. And that's what really what Easter really is all about. It's, it's celebrating the resurrection of Christ. And I hope um, you have a chance to be there. We've done everything that we know to do to give tools to invite. Um, recently, if you've seen on Facebook, we put out our Easter egg um, flyer. A lot of you have shared that on Facebook. Um, that's a huge deal. For you guys to share that, for people to know about it. I was talking to my neighbors. We've got brand new neighbors. And I was talking to them. And they said, it's so hard to find stuff for our kids to do that doesn't cost money. And I thought, man, we've got this perfect opportunity where we can introduce people to the Savior and give our community a really good time for free if we'll just tell people about it. Because this isn't hard to find. We're going to let people know about it. It's not hard to find. We also added, I don't know if you saw yesterday, it started popping up. You can put at the bottom of your profile picture a little banner that says, join me for Easter at Morningstar. And it's got the time for our service and the time for our Easter breakfast, which is gonna be at nine o'clock over in the fellowship hall. And we've got tons of tools that you've um, seen begin to roll out. And I just wanna share with you how one of them is doing because I was really encouraged about it. Um, Our podcast is something that we've been doing for about two months. Um, And I'm excited to share with you that over 600 people have listened to our podcast in nine states. Yeah, that's good. In nine states and two different countries. How about that? The reach of those type of things, nine states, two different countries. We're in the United States and in Europe. I don't know how. I really don't know why. Because John and I aren't that awesome. Um, but our most listened to podcast, imagine, imagine that there was a guest on it. It wasn't just John and I. Um, was the one we did last week where Angela Reese was able to tell her story um, and talk about what Jesus did for her life. When Jesus came to town in her life. And that's the, the, the series that we're in. That's what we're going to continue. You know, we all have a story of when Jesus intersected with our life and things changed. You know, when, when Jesus intersects, when he, when he comes into your life, you have to respond. You can either reject him or accept him. There, there comes a moment when you have this interaction with Christ and we have to accept him or we have to reject him. And we're trying our very best to, to help people have as many of those pardon me, interactions and intersections as, as possible. That's what our goal is, to give people the opportunity to interact with Jesus and decide, am I going to accept him or am I not going to accept him? And Angela's uh, story is amazing. If you haven't listened to it, go to your podcast provider, download it and listen to what happens in somebody's life, even today when Jesus comes to town. But last week we talked about when Jesus came into a town, the very last time that he would be in that town where he did much of his ministry and he shared these three stories about a coin and about a sheep and about a son and that was a an awesome and powerful message that I would encourage if you missed take a listen to but he leaves that town 
and he's headed for Jerusalem. And that's actually where we pick up today's story. We pick up today's story and he's, Jesus has left that town. He's now headed to Jerusalem and on his way, he's gonna meet up with a group of guys. Now these group of guys were dealing with some pretty difficult stuff in life. Something that, that none of us um, have had to deal with. In fact, I was looking at some statistics and these guys had leprosy. And in 2015, which is the statistic I found, there were 63 cases in the United States of leprosy and they were cured very quickly. But in these days, leprosy, <clears throat> pardon me, leprosy had no cure. It was a death sentence. Literally your body would begin to rot. And we see here that Jesus meets up with 10 guys who have leprosy. And here's what happens. It says this, while traveling to Jerusalem, this is in Luke chapter 17 in verse 11. While traveling to Jerusalem, he passed between Samaria, Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, 10 men with leprosy met him and they stood at a distance. Now we see they stood at a distance because they really they didn't have a choice. As lepers, they couldn't get near people because leprosy spread very easily. Leprosy is a bacteria. We're going to talk a little bit more about what leprosy is, but it spread extremely easily. And as they got to where Jesus was, they, they yelled out to him and they said this, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. See, they knew who Jesus was and they had heard of his healing power. They had heard from other people how he had the ability to heal. And they knew that he had the ability to heal them. In fact, he, they call him master. Have mercy on us. Could you imagine being these guys with this death sentence type of diagnosis and you know somebody can heal you and you see him coming and they're just saying, Jesus, have mercy on us. They had probably rehearsed over and over in their mind how they thought this moment would go if they ever got the opportunity to meet Jesus. And they did, and they said, Jesus, have mercy on us. But I wanna share a little bit with you about what leprosy is. It was a nasty disease, but leprosy began under the skin. We know now that leprosy actually begins under the skin. It showed on the skin as the body literally began to rot, but this bacteria, the incubation for this bacteria, this is something I didn't know but until now, the incubation period, meaning the time from when you interact with it to the time that it shows symptoms is three to five years. So at some point, well before it ever began to show, these people interacted with somebody that had leprosy and it begins to show and it's painful. Because literally, the stuff seems, starts to eat at your skin, but eventually it eats at the nerves in that and you become numb. So a leper could actually not pay attention and put their hand on something hot, burn themselves really bad, and they wouldn't feel it. It was numbing. It got to the place that it was numbing. It had a horrible odor because these people were literally walking around rotting. And it led to isolation and separation. You were kicked from your family. You were kicked from your community to go be with all the rest of the lepers. Your family couldn't really see you. They could never get close to you. I couldn't imagine as a father 
having a disease like this and realizing that was the last time I would ever embrace my son or daughter. Could you imagine being in a place like these guys were? These 10 men had lost everything. And the only way to be declared clean was to go before a priest and go through a ritual, ritualistic um, check and, and that to see if you were clean, if you had been cleansed. But there was no known cause for leprosy. And they had to walk around declaring themselves to be unclean so that nobody would accidentally brush up against them. This bacteria could get into materials, any soft material. If they sat in a chair, that leprosy, that bacteria could get into that material. It infected not only other people, but everywhere that they went. And it was a horrible, horrible disease. So if you could imagine, they go to Jesus, they say, have mercy on me. And maybe they had heard about all the people Jesus had healed and how he just spoke a word and they were healed. And honestly, when I had heard this story growing up, I, I had never paid enough attention to realize that's not what Jesus did. He didn't just say, be healed. He actually says to them something completely different. Probably odd to them, and it required a ton of faith. He says, when he saw them, he told them, go and show yourself to the priest. So he says to them, go and show yourself to the priest. Well, at that very moment, they're still very much lepers. They can't just walk up to a priest. But Jesus told them to go. So they had this decision to make. Were they going to take Jesus at his word and go? Or were they going to say to Jesus, but can't you heal us first? So we can... But these guys make a step of faith and they begin to head to see the priest. And here's what happens. Their faith is rewarded. It says this. It says that, that, and while they were going, they were cleansed. They're on their way to see the priest. And as they're walking, they've made this step of faith. They believed and their belief was enough to cause them to begin to go to the priest. They were on the way and they were cleansed. And I find that really interesting because really that's how our faith in Christ works, right? The Bible says we're saved through, by, by grace, but it's through faith. That we have to have faith. We have to believe in our heart. We have to confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus. It takes faith. It takes enough belief in our heart to cause us to confess with our mouth that we need Jesus. And that's where these guys would. It took faith for them to begin to walk away and they were cleansed. And then it says this, but one of them, seeing that he was healed with a loud voice, gave glory to God, fell down at his feet, thanking him, and he was a Samaritan. So the Bible gives us this very interesting insight to this man. He sees that he was clean. He cries out, gives glory to God goes on his way, goes back to Jesus, falls at his feet, which was a sign of submission, a total loss of power. He falls, giving all authority to Jesus at his feet, and he thanks him. 
and he was a Samaritan. So why does that matter? Well, these guys were complete and total outcasts. In fact, here in the next verse, Jesus uses the word foreigner, which is similar to like an alien. Like it's just a total outcast. Before this man was ever an outcast from his family, he was an outcast from the Jewish people. They didn't like each other. They wanted nothing to do with each other. And now this Jewish man, Jesus, had healed him and he falls at his feet. This is a total destruction of all cultural lines. And he comes and he falls at the feet of Jesus. Now you have to wonder, maybe the guys that he were with, maybe they were Jewish men and they would say, hey, listen, a Jewish priest is never gonna declare you as clean anyway. He's never gonna declare you to be clean. And you're a Samaritan. And, and I find it interesting because when, when we receive healing and when we receive cleansing from Christ of our sins, we all are at the same place, right? And so all these guys had received cleansing. And when they were in their sin, they were all together in their sin or in their disease, which we'll see these two have a lot of parallels. When they were in their disease, they were all together. They accepted him, but he was likely not accepted anymore once he was clean, which makes no sense. So where would he go? He would go back and he would give glory to Jesus and he would thank him. And then, we, and then it says this. Jesus said, we're not 10 cleansed. Where are the nine? Did not any return to give glory to God except for this foreigner? And he told him, get up, go on your way. Your faith has saved you. Understand this. There was no priest that was gonna declare this man clean, but Jesus did. Jesus said, your faith has saved you. Jesus declares this man clean and tells the man to go on his way. And I think this story, that's the story, but I think we really need to dig in because I think there's three groups here and I believe that all of us fall in one of the three groups. There were three groups that interacted with Jesus. First, there was the 10. We're gonna look at the 10, we're gonna look at the nine, and we're gonna look at the one. So first we look at the 10. The 10 were literally had been given a death sentence. They were literally considered walking dead men. They had this disease called leprosy and some really awesome guys who are way smarter than me have drawn this parallel, but I love it. So I've got to share it with you. The parallel between leprosy and sin. You see, leprosy starts beneath the skin and outward be, outwardly begins to destroy. Sin is just the same way. Sin starts here. And sometimes it's here in our heart for way longer than anyone ever sees it. And as that sin invades and infects our heart, it begins to show in the way that we talk. It begins to show in the way that we walk. It begins to show in the way that we act and the way that we live. It affects relationships. And you know what it leads to? It eventually leads to isolation. We isolate ourselves. 
because of our sin. It separates us from God, just like leprosy separated these people from their community. They literally lost everything, and sin, unchecked, literally will cost us everything. And without Jesus, there was no cure to leprosy. Without Jesus, there's no cure to your sin. The Bible says that all of us, at one point or another, were in this group called the Ten. Because the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all have a sin problem. We're all unclean. You and, all, you and I have all been given a death sentence because of sin. See, God can't look on sin, and so we earn eternal separation from God. And sin has to be paid for because God is righteous. And so we, we, we earn eternal death sentence, eternal damnation and hell because of our sin. Like leprosy, there is no hope for sin outside of Jesus. But when Jesus enters the picture... He comes and he offers healing and freedom from sin. He comes and he says, I'll take your sin and I will give you hope. And so maybe you're here today and you would say, I'm in the 10. I've never trusted Christ. My sin is wrecking and destroying my life. I'm hopeless. I'm helpless. If you're part of the 10, let me introduce you to Jesus. Because Jesus says this, I came not to condemn, but I came to bring life and life abundant. And Jesus comes and he offers healing and freedom from your sin. So what do I do then? Well, exactly what these lepers did. They had faith. Jesus says this, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's what the word of God says. It says, I am the way, the truth, and life is what Jesus said. And so Jesus offers and opens to us this invitation to believe and confess our shortcoming and that we need Jesus and to put our trust and faith in him. And so if you're here today and you've never received this life-cleansing, life-changing, life-altering encounter with Christ, like I said at the beginning, here he is. You have a decision that you have to make. You can either accept him or you can reject him. But we're in church, we say, well, most people here are probably saved. They're probably not part of the 10. Even though I do believe there's probably a few people here, if not multiple people here that they know how to look clean, but maybe they're not really, they've never experienced that encounter with Christ. But let's say that you have. That puts you in one of two other groups. It puts you in the group that I would classify as the nine and then the one. And I wanna take a really hard look at what the nine was doing and what the one was doing. The nine were on their way to go and see the priest. In fact, if the nine didn't go and see the priest, they would never get their life back. 
They had to go to the, the priest, be declared clean, and then they could begin to pursue getting their life back. And that all comes from the law. So like what the nine were doing was what they were supposed to do. They were going to do all the things that they were supposed to do to get their life back. And if I'm honest, I believe this. I believe the majority of Christ followers today, the majority of people who have received the life-changing encounter with Jesus, that have trusted him, that have come to know him, I believe they would find themselves in the nine. And here's what I mean. They're doing everything that's right to get their life back. Listen, they're here at church on Sunday. Because why? That's what a good Christian person is supposed to do. I'm supposed to be here on Sunday, and so I'm here. Maybe even they've taken it a step further. Really good Christians give. John's been talking about giving. Really good Christians give. So I'm going to begin to give. I'm doing everything I know to do to get my life back on track. They identify things in their life and they're like, those things have got to change. I've got to be a good husband. I've got to be a good wife. I've got to take my kids to church. I want to be a really, really good Christian. So I'm going to go to grow group and I'm going to learn as many things about the Bible that I can. And I'm going to pump my head full of Bible knowledge. Because that's what good Christians do. That's what I got to do to get my life back together. Man, I'm going to read my Bible because if I read my Bible, it is going to help me get my life back together. And I believe this, a lot of Christian people are doing really good stuff and completely missing it. Completely, totally missing it. They're serving so that they can get their life back together because that's what a good Christian does. They're attending church. They're giving. They're trying to raise their kids right. That's what a good, a good Christian does. That's what I'm supposed to do to get my life back together. But you know what they're finding? It's unfulfilling because they've completely, totally missed it. They're doing all the right stuff for all the wrong reasons. They're doing what they're doing because they're so focused on fixing me. I've got to do what I've got to do so that my life can be better. And I've got to do what I've got to do so I can see my kids grow up the way that I'm supposed to see my kids grow up. It's so interesting to me as I talk to some of my missionary friends and they're keeping a, a better pulse than I think we do sometimes on what's going on with the church around the world. But do you realize that to hear the word of God this morning, there's people meeting in basements hoping not to lose their life. There's 
there's probably not even a place to sit. But in the American church, we get so focused on how church is done because really church is all about me. I didn't like the message this morning. Why, it just didn't really hit me where I'm at. It's all about me. We go go to the word of God and say, God, teach me something that's gonna help my life today. We're approaching this Christianity like the nine. We're doing everything that's possible to fix our life, but we're completely and totally missing it. But then there's the one. And here's what the one does. The one says it's all about him. He gives glory to God and he runs and falls in submission before the feet of the Savior. And he gives gratitude. The life of a one is characterized by this. It's somebody who gives glory to God, lives a life of obedience and submission to what God is doing in your life, to what the Holy Spirit is leading in your life. and living a life of thankfulness. You know you how you can tell when you're interacting with a one? Like they're standing, holding the door, and they've never been so happy to do anything in their whole life. Not because it makes them feel better, it's what they're supposed to do, fulfilling their duty, because they're so grateful that Jesus cleaned them and cleansed them they just can't wait to open the door and let somebody come in and hear about the same thing. It's somebody who can't keep their mouth quiet about talking about Jesus. Like they don't have to work really hard to talk to their coworkers because that that morning they got up and they laid at the feet, they, they submitted their life to Christ. They said, it's all about you today, Jesus. The one had an interaction with Jesus and his life changed to be characterized to being all about Jesus, not about how I can fix my life. And so I wonder, even this morning, did we come in this morning to hear the word of God saying, I really hope I can get something that's gonna make my life better? Or do we come in this morning saying, Jesus, show me more of who you are so I can be more in all of who you are? Because then you can't get enough of God's word. I just need to know more about him. I need to know more about him. I need to, then you can't give enough. Pastor, what's the next thing I can get involved in? Jesus saved me when I had nothing and now I don't know what to do. I just got, I've got to give it to him. And so the question is, did you come in here this morning a nine, a 10? Or did you come in a one? And I think it's really easy because I think when most of us trust Christ, it's really easy to be a one. Like it's the natural, easy response to be the one because you're just overwhelmed. All your burdens have been lifted. Jesus has offered you new life, but then life comes and you're like, I need to fix this and I need to fix this and I need to fix this. And, and Jesus is like, where, where are you at? Why are you not falling at my feet? What did Jesus say? He said this, he said, 
He said, were there not 10 cleansed? Did any return to give glory to God? Is your life characterized by living your best life? Or is your life characterized by submitting to Jesus in everything and giving thanks? You know what, this one's really hard for me because I'm a doer. If I'm just completely honest, I'm a doer. And I can get in a pattern where I'm doing a lot of stuff for God because I'm like, man, God, isn't this awesome? Look at what I, look what I could do for you. Look at the talents you've given me, but man, I'm using them well, aren't I? And I get so focused on me and what I can do for him that I realize it's been days since I sat at his feet. Since I say, Jesus, whatever you want from me, it's yours. And I, I, if, I'm, if I'm honest, I think our, our American church, who's pull yourself up by your bootstraps, who's proud to be a Christian, but prouder to be American. I'm grateful to live in this country, but it doesn't define who I am. It just doesn't. You know what defines Americans? If I work hard enough, I can get what I want. That's a cool thing to have. You know what defines Christianity? You can't work hard enough to clean yourself up. Come and fall at the feet of Jesus. So the question this morning is this. Did you come in this morning a 10? Maybe this morning in just a few minutes, you need to come forward and you need to talk to John or you need to talk to myself and you need to have a life-changing encounter with Jesus where your sin doesn't rule you anymore. Maybe that's what you need. But maybe you came in here this morning a nine. You're like, I'm doing, doing, doing. I feel so unfulfilled. Let me encourage you when we sing here in a little bit, let me encourage you, maybe, maybe it's right here. Maybe you need to come down and kneel and say, Lord, for, I'm sorry, but I'm so grateful for the fact that you saved me. And I'm gonna submit today to you. The rest of this day, the rest of my life, yes, but the rest of today is yours. And then tomorrow morning when you get up, you need to say, Lord, today is yours. I'm so grateful you gave me life. I'm so grateful you gave me hope. Whatever you want from me today, it's all yours. I'm so grateful that this, my life is all about you and so today is all about you. Maybe that's where you're at, you're, you're a nine and you need to make a decision and a declaration today that I'm gonna be a one. But maybe you're a one. And understand this, to go from being a one to a nine, it takes this one decision that I'm not gonna make today about glorifying God. I'm gonna take a me day. It's not really about God today, it's about me. That pattern begins to repeat. Next thing you know, you're doing lots of good stuff, but you're not living life in submission and obedience to Jesus. If everybody bow their head and close their eyes, our, our musicians are gonna come forward.
But everybody is in one of these three groups. You either don't know Jesus, you know him and you're doing lots of stuff, but your relationship with him is not really what it needs to be. You're not really falling at his feet. You know how to be a Christian now, but you're not worshiping. Or you are giving your life in full authentic gratitude to him to bring him glory. And you need to continue to make this decision. So in a second, I'm going to pray and we're going to sing. And and as we do that, I want to invite you and encourage you to make a decision. To continue your resolve for Christ. To resubmit to what he would have for your life. Or maybe to meet him for the first time. And we have a few different ways you can respond. You can literally stand up, come forward, and pray. You can come down and talk to John or talk to myself. You can stand there and make a declaration in song. But no matter what, I would encourage you to make a decision for Jesus this morning. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we praise you for who you are. God, we love you for giving us life when we had no life. And Lord, in this place, help us to examine ourselves, to take honest look at how we are living our life and whether we're living it for you or we're living it for ourselves. Lord, for the one or maybe two or, or maybe more than that that are in this room this morning that have never had a life-changing encounter with you, Lord, penetrate their heart and give them the courage to come forward and have a conversation. Lord, I ask that you would help us to be sensitive and obedient to your spirit in this moment, that no matter what it is you're calling us to do, that we would be changed by your word. God, we love you, we praise you, and it's in your holy name we pray, amen. If you would stand and worship with me this morning. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you have any questions about Morningstar Baptist Church or today's message, visit morningstardayton.org and choose Contact Us.